in India. Keller talked to NBC2's Ryan Hughes just hours after he returned home. Matt Keller's pictures of his mission trip to India are nothing like the ones that have flashed on television screens the past two days. His show, Good Times, news reports show bad. It's a tragedy. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder for me that we're not living in a spiritually neutral time. Keller, pastor of Next Level Church in Fort Myers, went to India with seven others. On Wednesday, as their 12-day trip came to an end, terrorists attacked Mumbai and killed more than 150 people. Uh, of course, we were freaked out. We were concerned. We were worried, not knowing what's going on. Word came quickly, not from India, but from home. We're getting texts like crazy from America, from all of our friends, saying that there are attacks at the Taj Mahal. But Keller and the others were safe in Delhi, some 700 miles from the carnage. We weren't in any immediate danger, but um, pretty freaked out. And they basically, you know, were saying, this is life in India, you know, th th terrorist attacks like this happen often. Showing these Southwest Floridians what some parts of the world are really like. That evil and darkness are real and they're in the world. Uh, and this is why I do what I do, because people need hope. People need to know that there's hope. And this pastor knows that hope can come from such darkness. In Fort Myers, Ryan Hughes, NBC2. Mm -hmm. So we're back from India, and not without a, any sort of small amount of fanfare, I guess, huh? Uh, it was it was cool that as we were pulling out of the airport, the reporter from NBC called my wife's cell phone, and uh, and they said we want to do a story on your team, and we said okay, I haven't slept in like two days or whatever, come on over. <laughs> so I went home and took a shower because I needed to do that, uh, really bad. And then the news crew showed up, and I'm like I don't even know where I am, but it was awesome, and uh, and what a great opportunity. To, to talk about hope with our community. So that was really cool. But uh, we, we are back, and let me just say this. What a trip. Um, wow, what a 12 days. We, we, um, we as a team want to thank you, all of you, uh, hundreds of you I know who are praying for us, who are following with the blog and, and tracking with us. There were eight of us on our team total uh, that went uh, from here, six from Next Level Church, and then Marguerite Demos had a friend who lives in Puerto Rico, uh, who was actually born Indian, and so she had never been back to India. So she joined our team. Her name's Ashana, and she's an amazing, amazing um, follower of Jesus. Uh, and then we took another guy, Pastor Mark Goodman, who pastors Christ Community Ministries in Estero, Florida, just south of here. And so Mark went with us as well. So the team of us, there were eight of us total on the team. And let me just say this. We were never in any real danger uh, concerning the terrorist stuff. Uh, that happened in Mumbai. We were in Delhi when that hit. And it was like 4.30 in the morning, our time, uh, in Delhi when uh, Mark and I got a knock on the door from, from two of the ladies on our team and they said, Americans are texting us like crazy. And so we turned on the TV. We were getting ready to wake up that day to drive to the Taj Mahal, which is about four hours from where we were there in Delhi to a city called Agra. And so we turn on the TV and it says, Terror at the Taj. 
And we were freaking out. Uh, but it's a different Taj. Apparently in India, the word Taj is kind of like the word grand here. So to say that there was a, a bombing at the Taj Mahal Hotel is basically like saying there's a, a, a bombing at the Grand Hotel here in America. Well, that could be, you know, 50 different hotels, whatever. Uh, so, so it would be equivalent to um, a terrorist attack in New York and your friends calling you saying, are you okay? Yeah, we're fine. Here in Fort Myers, we're okay. So we were never in any immediate danger except for the traffic. Oh my goodness. Okay, number one, they drive on the wrong side of the road and it is nutty like the professor. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. To say that traffic there is unbelievable is... It's, un, it's an understatement of the century. I'm telling you, there were like a thousand near misses going on all over. Okay, like on our bus, we have a driver and then you have an assistant driver. And the assistant driver, his whole job is to stand in the doorway of the bus. If the driver's on this side, he's on this side. He hangs out the doorway and yells to the driver if he's going to hit anything on the left side of the bus. It, you, uh, Okay, so we worked with a ministry over there called Christ for India, uh, and Christ for India is one of the missionaries that we support, Jameson and Johnson Titus, and it was founded by their father and mother, uh, Dr. P.J. Titus and Mary Titus, some 25 or more years ago, and uh, Dr. Titus was here in Texas and had an amazing job, well-paying job, and felt the Lord speak to him to go back to India uh, a land of a billion people, and, and move to a state that he had not been from originally or where he grew up, and to start this ministry to minister uh, to the one billion people in India. And so we went to Christ for India. We were on their campus. What an incredible place. Uh, one of the major reasons we were there was to shoot five videos um, to help Christ for India promote their ministry here in the United States, to help them promote their ministry in Australia and in the United Kingdom. And so uh, each of those five videos is going to highlight the five different areas of ministry that, that Christ for India offers. The first one is their seminary or church planting. Uh, they have about 130 students living on campus in their seminary uh, where they're training them in the, in the things of the Word and, and in, in ministry. And the majority of those 130 seminary students will be sent out in the next two or three years to plant churches. And, of course, you guys know that's close to our heart. So they'll be sent out here in the next few years to plant churches all across India. And uh, what an amazing, amazing thing it was uh, to be a part of that and to get to tell some of those stories. The second uh, major ministry that they do is building churches that they raise money here in the States or in Australia or in the United Kingdom to, to raise money to actually build physical buildings. And, and the reason why uh, is because when a church planter or a seminary student goes out and starts a new church, they eat, have one of two options. One, they can start it in their home, which has obvious limitations to it. Or secondly, they can start it um, uh, in a rented facility. Well, here in the States, that's not as big of a deal. But over there, the minute your landlord finds out that you're a Christian and that you're having church, and you're worshiping Jesus, they will immediately throw you out. And so these pastors, over and over and over again, are getting evicted from these rented places. So the only way that they can truly combat that and reach their community, their village, is, is for them to build a physical structure, to build a building. And so uh, one of the videos then we shot was about building churches and, and trying to raise funds to do that. The third uh, ministry that they have over there is their elementary school, or their, not even elementary, it's all of the grades, but their, their children's school. When Dr. Titus and Mrs. Titus moved back, you can see the school there, uh, when they moved back to India 25 years ago, Dr. Titus's vision was for the seminary students. He understood that to change a generation in India, he could never do it alone, but if he could train the next generation, then he could change the nation. 
Well, Mrs. Titus was all by herself. Of course, there's all of these males on, on campus at the time, and Dr. Titus is busy with all of them. But Mrs. Titus started taking in the children off the streets and just taking them in and teaching them and feeding them. Well, that ministry over the last 25 years, you can see a picture there, there are now over 800 children in this school, and they read English better than our children do. Their education is top-notch. And close to 400 of those children, ages ranging from 4 to 18 years of age, live on campus, the vast majority of which have no presence of a father or mother figure in their life. The school is literally raising them. Those are the four girls we interviewed um, for one of our stories that we're doing, and the, the third one in from... From the, no, go back, go back. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the little girl, third in from the, from the left. Her name is Pavani, and she's nine years old. And we said, I asked her, and I had a translator, and I said, how long have you been at the school? She said, nine years. Her mother and father are dead. And uh, the girl next to her, to the left, um, she's 13 or 14 years of age, and uh, she was raised in a Hindu home. And she has converted to Christianity now and, and is being baptized in water, which is a huge deal, huge deal. And the minute they do that, the minute these children convert to Christianity, their Hindu parents disown them. And so these children, this is, I'm telling you, it's real. Um, you can see a picture of some boys are interviewed next. Um, go to that. So here are some boys. Same thing. One story after another after another. You guys, I was so humbled to be able to interview these, these children who are telling of their faith in Jesus Christ and how real it is to them. So the school's incredible. Uh, a fourth uh, part of the, the story that we want to tell and one of the major ministries they do is they have a program for girls who are ages 16 to 20 years of age. And basically in, in India, they, they live by the caste system. And so there are, there are millions of young girls who are trapped in the lowest caste system and because of that, they have no way to break out of that low caste system. So many of these girls are destined for prostitution or severe you know, oppression and just to be shoved down by society. Well, Christ for India is stepping in and, and is bringing these girls from wherever they are and bringing them on campus for one year. They're teaching them English. They're teaching them Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, JavaScript, so that these girls can begin to work on computers, and then as soon as they graduate from the one-year program, they're placing them in software companies all across India, thus elevating the status of these young girls so that their lives will never be the same. I'm telling you, it was so... Yeah, yeah! Wow! Uh, the, the fifth major ministry that they do is the medical and humanitarian aid. And, um, and that's the fifth story we wanted to tell. They have a hospital right on campus. And then we were able to travel one, one morning into one of the villages nearby, probably 15 minutes or so away. And when we got to the village, we put up a little sign and they basically set up a medical camp. And there were 5,000 people living in 500 homes within about a five-mile radius of where we were. None of those 5,000 people have any access to any sort of health care whatsoever. None. But when Christ for India shows up, they can minister to over 300 people in a three-hour period of time and bring them 
medicines and, and treatments that they would have no access to any other way. I'm telling you, it was incredible. Uh, we got to speak at a pastor's conference um, as well. While we were there, there were about 125 pastors who came in, joined the seminary students. Uh, there's a picture of me speaking. Speaking with a translator is really, really fun ish. Uh, it's kind of difficult to do, but, uh, but we got to, to minister there, and I got to just tell you the highlight of that whole deal was uh, I asked Sally Sims, who's one of our team members uh, here from the church, to speak two different sessions um, at this pastor's conference, and I know she's done, learned a lot and done a lot out at Health Park with concerning team and, and ministering as a team and, and functioning, working together as a team. Well, in India, that's a foreign concept. And so Sally spoke two sessions on the Saturday morning of this pastor's conference, the last day. And I've got to just be honest with you. Here's what you need to know she was up against. Number one, women don't speak. And number two, blonde white women don't speak. It is serious taboo. When, when the moderator of the session introduced Sally, he mocked her. And she gets up there like a stinking champ and knocks it. they still looking for the baseball because she hit it that far out of the park. She nailed it. She nailed it. it was, I was so proud of Sally. So at the end of the first session, the moderator stands up after she's done talking about team and she looks at the life of Moses and how he used team and the whole deal. And the moderator stands up and he says, in our country, we don't hear these things. This is foreign to us. We need more of this. So she stands up the second session. We do this visual illustration of team ministry versus doing ministry by yourself. I'm serious, you guys. It, it knocked them flat. It was so awesome. And Sally, I'm so proud of you. Well done. You just, it was, she was a rock star. Just a rock star. Uh, we got to speak in several churches while we were there uh, as well. And on Sunday morning, um, just throw that picture up there of, uh, of the front of the church. This is, you'll see it here in a second. Uh, they took us by bus a long way. That's the campus um, there. It's number 10. Go to number 10. Um, that's the front entrance to, to Christ for India. But I got to speak in this one church, and um, when I walked in, it was like a 15 by 30, yeah, that's it right there, a uh, 15 by 30 building. This is Nicole, one of our team members, in the church, and you can see, I mean, this is from the front toward the back. Look at those little kids worshiping. I mean, just incredible, incredible. Um, just, just, and they have one instrument, the bongo drums, and basically, uh, they sing in Telugu. So, so we get there, and, and I, when we walk in, the doorway's like five feet high. And all week long, they're saying to me, watch your head, watch your head, because I'm a big, tall guy. And they're like, watch your head. <laughs> so we come walking into this church, and it was myself and Nicole uh, and Ashana from Puerto Rico. She was there too. And so I've I got to be honest with you. When I came in for Sunday morning church, I was pretty freaked out. I mean, I was out of my element. And... Um, it, it was just it was just not at all what I was expecting. And there were about 30 adults and 20 children in the room. And I, they sat us down in the front because they wanted to honor us. And so Mrs. Titus was sitting here next to me, uh, who's a about four-foot-tall lady in her 80s, uh, and founded Christ for India, myself. And then Ishana was next to me, and Nicole was shooting video. And and I'm telling you, I was just in knots. I mean, I was just, I was, I was freaked out and just out of my element, and they're singing in Telugu, which is the local language, and I'm just kind of like, what is going on? And I'm just like, Lord, you got to show up, because I'm afraid. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know where we are. I feel like I'm on the backside of the world. 
and I'm 8,000 miles away from you guys. And I, it was the coolest thing. when, As they were worshiping in their language, and it sounds Indian, as you would think it would, it's kind of that, that type of deal. Um, it really is. <clears throat> that was actually pretty good. And <laughs> that's the best I've sounded in worship in a long time. Wow. Praise the Lord. Um, it was it was the coolest thing because as I'm sitting there, I'm just I'm just rejoicing and just praising God and just seeking Him. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to my heart, Psalm 34:4, that says, "I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all of my fear." And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, "Matt, are you done being afraid? Will you trust me?" I'm looking down at my cutesy little notes that I was going to preach. And I was just like, Lord, forgive me for being afraid. And you guys, I can't explain it. But the peace of God came over us in that moment as we were worshiping. It wasn't a song that we knew. It wasn't the fancy equipment. And the th- Okay, there's none of that. It was the Holy Spirit of God putting peace in my heart and we were just all of a sudden I just felt this peace come over me and I turned to Ashana and I said I feel so comfortable right now and she looks at me and she says I feel like I'm at home you guys I was I went from being tied up in knots just all just uh, to being as comfortable as when I'm laying on my couch at home it was it was the most incredible Thing. So I got to speak and, and I got to talk to the children and it was it was just awesome. Um, we ended our trip, then uh, we flew from Vizag where we were to back to Delhi. One day that's that's another picture of the church there. Um, that's me talking to the children. Um, that's at the front of the church and that's the pastor there behind me off my right shoulder there. Uh, so they put the men on one side, the women in the back, and the kids right down there in the front. And so I was, I was talking right to the kids. That's my translator right next to me to the left in the white shirt. Um, so it, it was pretty powerful. So then uh, we flew from, from Vizag to, to Delhi at the conclusion of the trip to go to the Taj Mahal. Uh, so then we were in Delhi, and, um, and Agra, which is where the Taj Mahal is, is about a four-hour drive from New Delhi, where we were going to fly out and come back to Chicago from. And uh, when I say four-hour drive, I don't mean like I-75 to Gainesville. Oh, heavens no. You guys, this is why we pray. I'm serious. It is not an exaggeration. I'm looking at some of the team. It is not an exaggeration that we probably had 10,000 near misses in one day. No, it, it, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, it is, it is like NASCAR meets Grand Theft Auto on the wrong side of the road. It was like nutty crazy. Look, like, look, look. I mean, that's like typical traffic. I and mean, there's thousands of motorcycles and scooters and just nutty. It was crazy. So anyway, uh, did you get to see the Taj Mahal? The team did. I did not. Uh, about halfway from Delhi to Agra, uh, I apparently caught a bug and um, now know what it is to throw up in the back of a car uh, that was pretty gross. By the time we got to Agra, I was so sick that um, our, our driver, our host, 
said, we need to take you to the hospital. And so I um, went to the hospital and, uh, and thank God, Carol, our host, was from Agra. He was born and raised there. And so he knew the doctor that is on call to all the five-star American hotels where all the Americans stay. And so he took us right in and knocked on the doctor's door and opened it and walked right in. And it was like, here's my man. He is sick. And so they put me on the VIP floor. So the team went to the Taj Mahal and uh, got to do all of that. And I got rehydrated with an IV um, and got my fluids back up. And so then we had to turn around and drive four hours back to get on our airplane by 1 a.m. And if you miss the airplane from Delhi to Chicago, you're there. So they tell you that you need to have about four hours to check in on an international flight like this. Well, because of the increased security, because of the terrorism, they were saying, well, we think you probably should have six hours. We got there at 11 o'clock with two hours between, uh, you guys, it is a miracle that we are home. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, it, we had to go back to our hotel and get our luggage and then go to, to the airport and then check in. And, and I'm all like weak and thank God we had Millie who was a nurse with us. And she's following me around, and she's like, we got to get you sitting down. I'm like, we got to get on the plane, because I'm not missing the plane. So we didn't miss the plane, and we flew right over the North Pole. It was sweet. I looked down, I'm like, Santa! <laughs> so don't worry, Christmas is on. It is on. It is on. I looked for Elf, the whole deal. It was awesome. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm still pretty jet-lagged. I woke up at 2 this morning, and my body's like, what's up? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? So I'm writing messages this morning at 2 a.m., so I'll be crashing here after a while, but I, I have no idea what time it is. Um, let me just say this. As a team, uh, we just want to thank you again for praying for us. Our hope is sometime here in January or February, we want to do a night for India at the warehouse. Once we get the videos done and we can show you all of those and, and premiere those videos here for all of you and maybe do some fundraising for Christ for India, uh, we saw firsthand the needs and, and just an incredible incredible ministry. So we'll keep you posted on, on the night for India and when we want to do that here uh, in the first of the year. But again, thank you so much. You have no idea how great it is to be home. I'm home and I like home a lot. So I get back and it's like the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm walking around, we're going to Christmas tree. I'm like, what is happening? And it's Christmas time, isn't it? And I, for a lot of us, hopefully that's a good thing, but maybe some of us already are like, this is not the most wonderful time of the year, and I just hope I can survive this. Well, this morning, I, I don't, I don't want to preach as much as I just want to talk to us for a few minutes, because we are right on the edge of December the 1st. We're right on the edge of, of the Christmas season just going into high gear. And, and I want to talk to us today about our Christmas survival guide. Uh, because it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but the reality is for most all of us probably, to some degree, we would say that it's not. I mean, some of us already are dreading it, aren't we? I mean, we're looking around and we're thinking about the shopping and the planning and the credit cards and the parties and the presents and the, everything's got to be perfect for the mother-in-law and the decorations and the cookies. And for most of us, by the end of it, we just want it to be over, right? We're just like, you know what, just forget the holidays. I just want to get through it. But here's my question to us this morning. What if it didn't have to be this way what if what if christmas could be different for us i mean what if we could actually enjoy our holidays instead of 
instead of dread it? What if Christmas could actually be a relaxing time? I mean, when you and I think about our holiday season, we have to ask the question, is this really what God wants? Is this really what God intends that Thanksgiving gets over and we actually name a day on the calendar Black Friday? Is that really what God is after with this whole send Jesus to the earth and make a big deal about it? What if it could be different? What if we could, what if we could actually be energized by the holidays instead of just surviving? Well, that's what I want us to talk about just for a few minutes this morning. And see, one of the great statements that Jesus made is found in the book of John. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus made this statement. And if, you're, if you've been around Bible study for quite a while, you, you're probably very familiar with this verse. Here's what Jesus says. He's making a statement about himself and about the devil, or about Satan, the, the enemy of our souls. And look what he says. He says, the thief, speaking of the enemy of our souls, Satan, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus says of himself, that they may have life and have it to the full. Don't, don't you want a holiday season like that? The second part of that, don't, don't you want a holiday season that is full of life and, and life to the fullest extent that Jesus has to offer? Don't you want that? And yet the reality is, unfortunately, most of us get a holiday like the first part of the verse where we feel like we, we got taken advantage of, when we feel like we got thief, that, you know, that, that, that somehow the enemy of our soul seems to rob us and steal away our holiday season. Well, this morning I want to talk about five things that we let be stolen or taken from us around the holidays. And then I want to talk about how you and I can avoid that, how we can, how we can make this holiday different than perhaps a lot of our holidays have been in the past. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you for the United States of America. Thank you that we live in a country that is where we're free to worship you and where we actually have a whole entire holiday around your birth. God, thanks for that. Jesus, I pray that today as we talk about a few of these things that we let be stolen during this holiday season, Lord, I pray that our minds would just engage this content. And that you, Holy Spirit, would just make yourself real in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And all across this room, everybody say, Amen. Here's the first thing that I think we let be stolen uh, in our holiday season so often, and that's our peace. We let our peace be stolen from us. Here's, here's the reality of the situation. As you and I talk about the month of December, as we talk about heading into the next 25 days that we've got until Christmas, we need to understand this. Satan wants to steal our peace this holiday season. Make no bones about it, you guys. The enemy of our souls wants to steal our peace this holiday, but Jesus, as we just read in John 10.10, 10, wants to increase our peace. See, the enemy of our soul will use busyness to distract us from true life. Listen, here's the deal. Satan knows that he doesn't have to get us to fall into gross immorality to destroy us. All he has to do is just keep us busy. That busyness is as much a tool of the enemy of our souls as anything else that we can talk about. And here's the reason why. Because busyness drowns out the voice of God in our lives. See, here's what I believe. I believe that the voice of God in our lives, in our heart, in our mind, is very loud. 
We're just too busy to hear it. When I got on campus uh, at Christ for India, the first day I wrote in my journal, I, 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 I mean, you talk about crazy. In a land of contrasts and chaos, there is this place of peace and rest, and you can't even explain the peace of God on that campus. And I actually wrote in my journal, the first day I was there, I wrote, how can we be in a place that is so loud and crazy and chaotic and yet it is so still and quiet on this campus. And see, you guys, I believe that the voice of God in our lives is very loud. The problem is, most of us are just too busy to be able to hear it. So here's what I think. I think that rest and peace need to be a focused priority of our holiday schedule this year. I, I often look at the 52 weeks of my year as it's kind of a marathon, that every couple of weeks is like a mile. Well, every so often in this marathon of a year of life, you get water stops. You get these built-in moments of time where you get to pull away from your life. You get to pull away from the hecticness and busyness of your life. And you actually get to, to take a break. You get to take a breather. You get to have a water stop where you throw a cup of cold water in your face and you drink the other cup of cold water. And then you get back in the race. Well, here's what I think. I think that the, that's exactly what God would want our holiday season this year to be. It's a water stop for our soul where you and I pause and we prioritize rest and peace. See, Christmas can be one of those water stops, but we've got to be careful that we don't so over-program our holidays that we miss it and we go back into 2009 thirsty again. We only get a few of these water stops every year and we've got to make the most of it. So here's what I think that means. I think that means we've got to get a plan we got to get a plan for our holiday season ahead of time. And that plan needs to include some alone time. Playing in some, I don't know about you, I'm a people person, and so I love people. I love uh, being around people. People energize me. I mean, I'll meet somebody, and I'm like, you know, well, we're best friends. Honey, look, we got new best friends. She's like, we don't have new best friends. We don't have new best friends. I'm like, yeah, we do. He to he totally, we, we agree. But for me, I'm one of those high-low personalities where, I mean, I can take people so long, and then it's like, I need some quiet. I need, I need some stillness. And a couple of Christmases ago, uh, we were doing the whole family together 24-7, everybody sleeping on floors and couches and the whole deal. And it was like, you know, like the eighth day or something, just horrible. And I can remember, wonderful, I mean, wonderful, wonderful. It was wonderful. Your family's wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> And I can remember pulling my wife into the bedroom and I'm like, honey, can I just like go to Starbucks for a couple hours? She's like, oh yeah, sure. I'm like, no, listen, pray about it. I mean, really, I need, I need, I just think I need, she's like, sure, go, get out of here. It was like the best two hours of my Christmas. I mean, I was like, I can, I can somehow family is better when I'm not with them 24 hours a day. See, we got to build that in. Guys, we don't want to have our peace get stolen from us this Christmas. And, and let's be honest, the best way for us not to lose our peace this holiday season is to wait on the Lord, is to, to spend time in His presence. The, prophet, presence. the prophet Isaiah talked about it. Look at what he said in, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Look at this part. He will not grow tired or weary. And His understanding 
No one can fathom. He says, listen, God is not like you. God doesn't get worn out. God doesn't grow tired and weary. Don't worry. You can come to him and he will restore you. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. That's good news this holiday, isn't it? And increases the power of the weak. Man, if you feel weak already going into the holiday, trust me, there's power in the Lord available for you this morning. Verse 30, even youths, even even us young bucks who think we have endless energy, even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. Verse 31, look at this. But those who hope in the Lord, another translation says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Listen, the best way for us to not lose our peace this holiday season is to wait upon the Lord. It's to say, God, I'm not going to over-program the holidays. I'm going to prioritize and plan some me time with you. One-on-one, me and Jesus, mano-a-mano, let's do this thing because, God, I'm going to lose my peace otherwise. And that's not what God wants for a holiday season. Here's the second thing that we can allow to be stolen around the holidays, and that's our time. That's our time. Here's the reality. We're all going to have the same amount of time this holiday season. But some of us will come through on the other side of the holidays and say, where did all the time go? But others of us will come through and go, wow, what a refreshing break. What's the difference? The difference is how we prioritize our time. Who's going to be in control of your time this holiday? Is it you or is it your coworkers? Is it your family? Is it your deadlines? Is it your extended family? Is it the in-laws? Is it your friends? Is it your neighbors? Who's going to control your time? I think that Ephesians chapter 5 is such an appropriate verse for us as we head into the holiday season. Look at what it says. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You guys, what a warning for us this holiday. Because we have a chance to approach our time wisely. He says, make the most of every opportunity, not as unwise. Don't go in just being like, oh, whatever, it's all good. No, no, it's not going to be all good, trust me. And then you're going to get all frustrated and mad, and then you're going to be yelling at your spouse, you're going to be kicking your dog, and then you're going to feel guilty, and then you're going to lose your peace, and then you're going to run out of time. He says, make the most. Come on, seize the, every opportunity. That means we've got to build in margin to our calendar. What is margin? Margin is the distance between where we are and our limits. And let's be honest, when it comes to family and holiday and all of the things that come with the holiday season, we all have limits. And if we don't have margin, we will run around on empty and get through the end of it and realize we have lost the time. We didn't redeem the time like Ephesians says. Here's what I think that means. I think that means we've got to determine exit strategies for every event. That means we've got to talk, husbands and wives, before you get to the party. What time are we leaving? Because you know what I think? I think we're leaving like at 1 a.m. And my wife is like, no, 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 no. This is like a 9.30 party. And I'm like, no, they're, gonna play, they're totally going to play like Chevy Chase movies. We're going to stay. We're not staying. You've got to talk that stuff. Why? You've got to redeem the time. Because if you don't redeem the time, someone else will take it from you. And then it gets stolen, and then you'll go to it on the backside, and you're like, man, the holidays just killed me this year. What a horrible thing to say. This is Jesus' birth, for crying out loud. Heaven forbid that we, his followers, should get through the end of his celebration, his birthday, and get on the backside of it and go, man, that just killed me. Here's the third thing that we can let be stolen during the holiday season, and that's our joy. 
that's our joy. Life has a way of draining our joy out of us, doesn't it? It's like a, it's like a 12-month slow leak in the tire. Some of us are like down to the 12th month and we're going, man, I've got, it's like, it's just like banging. It's just like, that's just, I got no joy left in the tank for my year. And listen, here's the reality. Some of us have been living without joy for way too long. But let me say this, joy is different than happiness. See, happiness is determined by what's happening. It's, it's circumstantial. So I'm not talking about happiness. Joy is on the inside. Joy is, joy is down deep. What a tragedy to think that one of the most popular Christmas songs of all time is Joy to the World, and some of us will sing it a dozen times this Christmas and have none. See, we've we got to live with joy. We've got to make sure that we don't let the enemy of our soul steal our joy this Christmas. Well, how do we do that? Well, for me, three things uh, look like what needs to happen. The first one is you've got to see joy. You've got to see it. You gotta sit. Do you know why? Joy is all around. My goodness, I spent 12, 12 days in the nation of India walking around with people who, compared to us, have nothing. And yet, the one thing they did have was this amazing joy that you, they just exuded joy. Just beautiful people with beautiful spirits, just incredible joy. And, and if you're lacking joy in your life, I challenge you to see it all around you because it is there. There's joy this holiday season. The second thing I would challenge you to do is choose it. We have to make a choice to choose joy in our life. There are three kinds of people. The glass is half empty, the glass is half full, and the glass is about to tip over. Which one are we? We've got to choose this Christmas to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to be joyful. I remember when I was running the campground with a whole bunch of teenagers uh, about seven or eight years ago. That it was like the it was the middle of the week and we had like 300 or 400 teenagers on the campgrounds and everybody was just dead tired and just whipped and I remember going to breakfast that day and feeling like okay this is hump day we got to get through Wednesday so we can make it through the weekend you know we got to do this and I can remember standing up at breakfast and I declared today on the campground is a day of joy and I declared it I'm like okay everybody listen up Psalm 16 the joy of the Lord is our strength. Today's a day of joy. And I just started to declare it. I just started everywhere I went. Everybody I talked to, I'm like, today's a day of joy. Today's a day of joy. Today's a day of joy. By 7 o'clock that night, when we started praise and worship for our service, the joy in that building was palpable. I mean, it was great. It was like they, the teenagers were bouncing off the walls. What had been a day where they're going to be like, oh, it's horrible. Instead, it was like, they got joy, man. We entered in. We worshiped. It was incredible. God moved. Why? Because we chose joy. And some of us headed into our holiday season need to choose joy and say, yes, no matter what happens, no matter how drunk uncle whoever gets this, I'm not going to, you know what? No. I, you will not steal my joy. I will not let my joy be stolen from me. I'm going to see joy where I can see it. I'm going to choose it. And then number three, we need to receive it. Some of us, you know where joy comes from? Joy comes from the Lord. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's something that lives deep within us. It's not happiness based on happening. It's joy on the inside from the Holy Spirit. And I just believe that some of us are empty when it comes to our joy tank. And I just want to pray for you before we leave today that God's joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord will be our strength, the Bible says. And we just need to receive it. And we're going to do that in a few minutes. I'm going to just pray. And God's going to, I just believe God's going to fill some of us because we need that. Here's a fourth thing that we can let be stolen in our holiday season. Number four is family. It's entirely possible that we can get so into family gatherings that we don't actually spend time with 
our family. We, we don't actually spend time with those who matter most to us. Listen, what if our kids could get every new toy on the market this year, but don't get the one thing that can't be bought? Us. Truly present. See, you guys, we got to fight for those precious moments with our family this year. Maybe that looks like finding some new traditions or, or reviving some old traditions with our kids or with our grandkids, with our nieces or nephews, with our, with our family members that matter most to us. And, and then it, it's about us making those memories that will last a lifetime. See, more than toys and parties and the trappings of the holiday season, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, they need us this Christmas. More than anything else, they need us. And let me just challenge each and every one of us listening today to be present this year. Turn off the email. Turn off the phone. Turn off the internet and the TV and lay down on the floor and be completely present with your family. Because if you're off in the other room checking email or checking the internet or watching TV somewhere, that's all fine and good, but that stuff won't last forever. It'll be those few precious moments of time, those snapshots of time this holiday where you go, there was a moment me and my kids right there and I was completely present. I want to challenge you as your pastor. Be completely present this holiday season. And the final thing that we can let get stolen this Christmas is money. It's money. And can I get a better amen? Let me ask you a question. What's the most impactful gift that you've ever been given at Christmas? When you think of, man, that Christmas present that just, wow, yes. What, what is that? There's a good chance that each and every one of us thinking about whatever present it is, that it has nothing to do with how much that present costs. And if it does, if, if it was a very expensive gift, there's a good chance, though, that it, the reason why it matters so much is not because it costs so much, but because there was some sort of relational tie to it. I'll, be, I'll give you an illustration of this. I have in my home uh, that I received a few Christmases ago what you would consider to be the ugliest blanket you've ever seen. I mean, it is, my wife is like, that is the ugliest. I mean, really, I, sometimes when I get cold, I'll put it on our bed, and she's like, get that thing out of here. It's, it really, it's, it's, See, a few years ago, my mom took all of my Little League football and my Little League baseball uniforms that she had kept through my childhood, and she took them to a seamstress in my karate belt, and she sewed them into this huge blanket that in my dad's college, my dad played basketball in college, and his, his basketball, college basketball jersey is in the middle. And then there's all of these, my football and my baseball and my, ho and my uh, not hockey, I didn't play hockey, come on. Are you kidding me? Do I? Two words. Pretty boy. I didn't play hockey. <clears throat> my yellow belt from my karate was up there. And to you, you would look on and go, do that again. Yeah, that thing is that's hideous. But to me, it has so much value. And the truth is, it didn't cost much. See, 
here's what I want to say, and let me just speak pastorally here for a sec. We must refuse to spend crazy amounts of money this Christmas, especially in light of the economy and, and all that's going on. Guys, it's just not worth it. It's just not. It's just... Here's a practical strategy on a money side of things. You ready for this? Okay, Get on a budget and stay on it. Every Christmas, here's what my wife and I do. We make a list of every person that we need to buy for, every present that we need to buy, and then the amount that we're going to spend on them. Okay, listen, get on a budget for your Christmas spending, and then here's what I would recommend. In light of the economy, deduct it by 10%. So if you're going to spend $40 on that person, take $4 off and make it 36 And then here's the key. Don't go over. No matter what. You know why? Because it's just not that important. It just, it, listen, if you, can, if you can find one for 45, you can probably find one similar for 36. But the difference is huge when you multiply that times all of your gifts. Get on a budget. Here's a second thought I would say concerning not letting your money get stolen this holiday. Refuse to go in debt for Christmas this year. Going into, it's, I'm always blown away at the statistics that say that so many Americans go into debt every Christmas and, and by January, February, March, they're still paying off Christmas debt. Are you kidding me? My kids end up playing with the boxes more than they play with the toys. And, and we're going to put stress and strain because we're in debt to buy them toys they don't play with? Uh, it, it just doesn't, it just, we just don't have to do that. Third thought, get creative. Some of the best presents are the creative ones that don't have to cost a lot of money and, and just in case you need this, right here, here's your permission statement, ready? Cheap presents are forgivable. It's true, you walk in with the $5 tin of peanuts and everybody else has got $30 gifts, for like 10 seconds people are like, what is up with the peanut guy? After that, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And you're up like 25 bucks on everybody. You're like, peanut guy rules. What's up now? Right? Yeah, who cares? Cheap presents are forgivable. I say we have a cheap present Christmas. Who can bring the worst, cheapest present to the party? Bring it. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Okay, here's the deal. We have two choices going into the holiday. We can dread it, we can survive it, and we can let the enemy of our souls steal our peace, steal our time, steal our joy, steal our family moments, and steal our money. Or we can determine right now, today, on the front end of the holidays, that we're going to redeem this time. We're going to make the most of this opportunity to get a water stop and just build in times where we can meet with God and where we can have exit strategies at parties and we can save money instead of spending like crazy and going into debt. We can redeem the time today. That's a choice we can make today that a month from now, we'll thank ourselves for doing. That's my challenge to us today. Can we stand together this morning? As we close this morning, I just want to offer a word of prayer for us. And I mentioned a few, few minutes ago about this whole joy thing. And I, I just believe that there are some of us who are here today, and that's you, man. Your joy tank is empty. And you're feeling it. You're wearing it. And, and you know what? All of your friends, family, and coworkers know that your joy tank is empty. They just don't know how to say it to you. You know what your wife wants for you for Christmas more than anything else? Peace, time, joy to be completely all present there with the family. 
and to see you not wearing the stress of money, husbands. That's what your wife wants for you for Christmas. Husbands, let me just challenge you to take the lead in your family to say, this is how we're going to navigate the holidays. This is how we're going to do it. Do you need a touch of joy today? Because I just want to pray for you and then we're going to dismiss. Can we bow our heads just for a second across this room? If you're here today and you're going to, you would just be willing to say, Matt, my joy tank is empty. Bro, I'm feeling it. I just want to pray for you. Will you just slip your hand up real quick? Awesome. Wow. Across the room. Great. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. God, you see these hands that are being raised. Lord, just keep them up. Just keep them up as a sign of receiving from the Lord. God, you see our hands are raised right now. Father, we've come into this place today at the end of a long holiday weekend already, headed into a long month of holiday. And God, you see that inside of us, Lord, we're empty. Lord, we're empty. Lord, we don't have the joy and the peace of the Lord that we want. And Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit in some sort of supernatural way, God, that we don't even fully understand, but we just trust and know is real. We pray that you would just fill us, God, with this fresh infusion of joy. Lord, thank you that your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that today we are strengthened, we are built up in our inner man by the joy of the Lord. And Father, I pray that you would give us courage to fight against the enemy of our souls this Christmas, who would try and steal, kill, and destroy, would try and rob us of our peace, would try and rob us of our time, would try and rob us of our joy and our family moments and our money. Lord Jesus, we don't want to just survive the holidays, God. We want to go with your purpose and your passion, that we could get on the backside and say, it was great to celebrate our Savior's birth this year. I so enjoyed that. Lord, let us walk in your strength and in your peace and in your joy today. In Jesus' name, all across this room, everybody said, amen.